Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chelsea Spot Podcast. It's going to be the last one of 2022, a pretty crazy year, um, but we will get onto that all the way at the end. Um, but yeah, I think we should just get straight into it. Danny, it's a pleasure to be with you. It's just you and me today, but um, it's nice to have you back on the pod. Yeah, thanks very much. It's been a while and it's nice to have no Siram as well, which is an added bonus. So yeah, it should be a good one today after a, a big win last night. Exactly. If anyone's wondering, Siram did drop out about five minutes ago, so that sort of sums it all up. Um, I'm only joking. Let's get straight into it. Chelsea 2-0 Bournemouth. We sort of the first game back after the World Cup break. No one really had a clue what was going on. Um, if you'd sort of watched the games in the sort of the day before, we obviously played the day after Boxing Day, the Boxing Day game, the teams which didn't send many World Cup players um over to Qatar they sort of looked really sharp and together and I was slightly worried in that sense um but we pulled through and to be honest that first half was perhaps the best half of football we played under Graham Potter wasn't it yeah so well when you make when you're looking for bad omens look no further than the December period between Boxing Day and New Year's Eve and playing Bournemouth I remember celebrating when they went down not because I have a thing for a coastal beach resorts but because it felt like every time they came to the bridge they beat us I think it was three of our last yeah. five <laughs> I still remember Dan Gosling like scoring their last minute heartbreak and stuff <laughs> yeah. and losing 4-0 to them as well in the Sarri season so you know um it, it looked pretty risky especially since we hadn't won a home game uh, uh, sorry a domestic game since 16th of October or something so to come out with such um intensity from the off um, with so many players really impressing was it was a really nice thing especially when it was basically be, be, being billed as a as a must win even this early in Graham Potter's tenures so that will really do a lot because not only will it instill confidence in him it'll instill confidence in the players that what he's telling them to do is in fact the correct thing it is only Bournemouth you might say but as I said they're a team with history against us they're strongly mid-table they're playing much better than people thought they would coming into it and uh, we blew them away, especially in that first 50 minutes. 100%. Um, let's talk about a few of the players you mentioned, oh, well, you sort of said who played well. The first one which came to mind is the one we are both a massive fan of, that's Money, Mason Mount. Um, he got a goal at the bridge, which honestly feels like months and months. I can't remember the last one he scored at the bridge. Um, but it was so nice to see him back on the score sheet. And more importantly, he just had a, he had a really strong game. Yeah, he was amazing. So the way he took that um, from outside the box from the Kai Havertz, nice game from Kai Havertz, to be fair. Um, the way he struck the ball and initially it looked like it was going wide at the post and the curl back on it was immense. It was it was incredible and sure, we won't see much more of it. Uh, he scored that double against Villa a couple of months back and it felt like that would be the point he kicked off, off at um, and he didn't so hopefully now this is a turning point as he was immense I don't know if you remember as well he had a really nice turn outside the box nearly late on off he also went on that jinking run the whole length of the pitch um, the shot obviously wasn't quite there but that'll come I'm sure and if memory serves in the build-up to his goal he he played a really important stretched pass from a not the best ball from Sterling um so an amazing performance from one of the best men to ever walk the the earth in my humble opinion exactly and it's almost a miracle that if you put him in the number eight if you put him in midfield he starts playing well um so hopefully that's the thing 
the management can take into account for the next few games and play him in a position you're going to get what you get from Mason Mount. Um, but you you mentioned that that sort of dragged pass and that was to Zakaria who again has sort of I think surprised he certainly surprised me he he wasn't a perfect performance he's come out afterwards saying that himself as well that he wasn't he felt like he could have done better but in general I think Chelsea fans were pretty happy with his shift weren't they yeah I really like his intensity um I love the way he 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 strived to get in front of his man like there were some sloppy passes out from the back to Brentford to the midfield around the halfway line and instead of being passive he went for it I think it backfired once, but the majority of the time he won it in transition and really set things in in motion for the side. Um, One poor effort on goal aside, I thought he was really positive. Um, And that, what was that, his first Premier League appearance? Yeah, I think so. So that was his Premier League debut and we're in uh, nearly January now. Um, So it was a bit reminiscent of Sal, but unlike Sal, he was was immense and uh, I'm sure he's going to keep on improving. so, yeah, other than that shot, on another day, that could have been a goal, to be fair. I think maybe he should have hit it first time, but he'll learn from this. He's only young. Um, he's had a difficult World Cup where he didn't really play as much as I'm sure he would have been expecting a year ago when he got that big move to Juventus. But um, there's more to come from him, for, for sure. I think I think the thing with Zakari for me is that um, he's obviously got this defensive profile, which anyone can see we're missing a midfield and he does that really well but it's fact that even when he has the ball he's always looking to pass forward he's always looking to drive forward and that's we haven't really ever seen the two in the same midfield at once before I mean the main reason I think we're interested in Declan Rice is because yeah he can do all the defending stuff but then he is also absolutely incredible going forward um Zakari is sort of a glimpse of what we're going to get from Rice but that's also not to put down what Zakari has done as well which has been really really solid work um so my question to you is we'll come on to midfielder targets later but would you activate an option this option to buy we have with him Ooh, you know what it's too soon to say off a small sample size but for me no especially with like you said rice and fernandez links they're whatever they are but what looks certain is that new ownership want a big uh premium midfield name to put in into the midfield, especially if Kante and Jorginho are going to go. Um, and I I guess if Jorginho and Kante go, you can make an argument for Zakaria if it's a reasonable price. Otherwise, I'd really like to see a bit of faith put in Carney Chukwemeka, who all the noises were that he could potentially start this. He, he didn't he didn't come off the bench in the end, I don't think. Might slip slip my attention, but Hopefully one one for the second half of the campaign, but I'd like to see him get more minutes and some of the academy boys coming through like Webster. That'd be amazing if they could absorb some of the minutes. So not for me, but you never know. He might kick on and, and become like a, a Zidane regen. The, the rate is improving at, so we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah, I think that's a good answer. I think I think as much as he has played really well, it's important not to get too carried away. And we've sort of, as you can see by Bowley's signings so far, We'll come on to it later as well. But it looks like we're really going on that policy of signing either these really young players who have a really high chance of a good turnover, whether that's with profit or with sort of playing time and importance to the club, or it's going to be the signings of those world-class players. And Zakari doesn't really fit in the bracket of the two. Um, 
but maybe there would be a change of policy for someone like Sakai if he does can continue to to play with us the next few months. Um, so yeah, if you asked me about two months ago, I would have said let's just send him back in January and make it not another pay for six months. But now I'm pretty sure we almost have to keep him and hope he actually builds on top of this form. Um, but yeah, that's Sakai. That's Mason Mount. Um, the last thing, the last player, I guess, which is the really the sad news of yesterday's game, the big negative and sort of which caused the havoc in the second half, and that was Reese James going down. Um, it looks like he's going to, well, it's been reported by the, well, it's been confirmed by the club that he's going to be out for up to a month. Um, it, it just was a massive shame, wasn't it? Because you could see the difference in the two halves and, well, when Reese was on the pitch and when, when he wasn't. It's bittersweet, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you see just how much better we are when we have Reese James. And this is a man that signed a new long-term deal um, to stay at the club. So he clearly loves the club. I'm sure he wants to be captain. Um, there's some of those crosses, the way he beat his man, crossed it in. And I was amazed no one got on the end of him. Uh, I think Havertz could do better in that regard, not to knock him on what was one of his best performances of the season which is saying little but he, he was good um, and that shot uh, it would have been if it was a tiny bit higher keepers near post that would have been a brilliant way to come back um, also when he went down and it looked like he couldn't move I was fearing the rest of the season I was thinking just end it now give us mid-table without Reese. but if he's back late January early February running a Champions League stay fit who knows it could yet be a positive season but just a drop off from Reese to to Aspilicueta, club legend, but nonetheless is immense. And you saw even comparing the first five minutes before injury to the next forty, the difference in play style was immense. Obviously, a bit of game state in that, given we were two 0 up and maybe sat back a bit to protect it. But the attacking impetus, the overlapping runs, the set pieces, the power. The error prowess, it just can't be replaced. Uh, maybe we need a backup right back because it seems that Reese is maybe a bit more injury prone than we would have liked. But um, I'm still I'm still bullish. I'm still optimistic given just how incredible he was for that, those 50-odd minutes. 100%. Um, you, you mentioned it there, but I don't know. what. So... Potter's been, well, Potter in the training and in the games behind closed doors has been sticking with four at the back. Um, and a big part of that has been Reese's return. Now Reese is out for three, four weeks. Yes, we looked much better with four at the back yesterday. You know, Mount was back in his position. Zakar and Jorginho both looked really strong. The two Having two wingers was a massive bonus. They stayed nice and wide and Havertz was dropping in everywhere. With Reese out, do we stick with a four and... Go with Aspi. Do we take that risk and, you know, potentially play like we did in those last 40 minutes of yesterday's game? Or, I don't know, what, what do we do? It's risky, isn't it? Um, I guess I'd rather try it against Forest and City. I mean, I'm checking out. Um, and that just, that'll be a 4 0 win to Forest on New Year's Day. But um, I think, I don't know if it's been raised or if it's even a possibility, but I believe Trevor, well, I've seen Trevor play reasonably well at right back I mean he's, he's fast he's strong he's good in the air um, the only problem then is we'd have to see more of Kula Bali because of the 11 players in the pitch last night only one didn't convince me uh, and even Kukurella 
looked all right when he compared him to the baseline for Koulibaly. Something just isn't right with him at the moment. So maybe Trev could play right back. I saw a lot of people saying Rankin, obviously he's a right wing, more right wing back, and that would um, that'd be a big leap of faith from Potter as well. Um, I'd really like but I think it's been much more progressive and exciting. Uh, and it's what we want to do. We want to mirror the big clubs. None of the big clubs are playing back five anymore unless it's a knockout football. So um, I think stick with back four, maybe give Trevor a run uh, and see what happens. Yeah, I think I think you do raise a good point. As much you know, as I'd love to see Dion play right wing back, and I think if we were playing a five at the back before with recent right wing back, I think there's no doubt you'd say just chuck Dion in there. No, he'd be absolutely fine. But throwing him at right back is a, perhaps a bit of a stretch, considering he's been playing as a winger under Potter, let alone even a right wing back, even though that's what he's been doing for the academy. Um, so yeah, I think. You stick with the four and like you said, you're either firm as be or you just move Trevor around or you, you just try and focus more on the left-hand side and hope Aspie just deals with it a little better. Um, but yeah, if it, if it's a five, then I guess you could get Lewis Hall back in the left wing back and Chuck Dion on right wing back. But then you're starting two wing backs, two guys who are 18, 19 years old. So there's benefits and negatives to both. So that's something Paula will have to think about really clearly. Um but yeah, that's it for the Bournemouth, I think. Not much else to discuss with that. Um, we're almost in January, and that means a lot of transfer rumours pick up, and it's, um, well, it's an exciting time, and it certainly is the way Bowley is planning to act. But um, we've already we've already discussed sort of on the Chelsea podcast in our last episode, so do go and check that out on Fafana, which got announced, officially announced by the club today, on Santos, who's going to be having his medical tomorrow, that's Thursday, and Nkuku, um, who I'm guessing is going to be announced pretty soon, because like Fafana, there's already been the pre-agreement, all the medicals have been done and things like that, um, but he's coming in the summer, so maybe that could be later. Um, but in you know the last sort of 24, 48 hours, a lot of, lot of rumours have picked up. With quite a few different players, with the main one being Enzo Fernandez. Um, the reports make it seem like, um, well, Benfica are only going to let him go if someone pays up for the release clause, which I think is around 100, 105 million. And Liverpool and Manchester United are the two most interested clubs with Chelsea. However, Liverpool and United would rather wait for the summer, and therefore Todd's seen a chance that. Okay, we can maybe wrap up Enzo in January if we just pay the release clause. Um, I wanted to get your your thoughts on Enzo as a player, and you know he sort of obviously shone out at the Argentina the World Cup, um, but then Enzo as a signing because I was discussing this earlier, and I was like, 105 million on a 21 year old who has played about 80 games of professional football is crazy, but it sort of sums up the market now. And there is no doubt he is a very, very good player. So do you just go for it? It is ridiculous, but I guess you have to factor in that of those 80 professional games, seven of them have been part of a World Cup winning squad. So I guess he has that on his side. Um, one of my fears is actually aligned with another player that's been linked to Chelsea in the last week. Hopefully, doesn't happen for me, maybe not for everyone. Yao Felix, who obviously came out of Benfica after a stunning season for a ridiculous fee, it's well in excess of 100 million, joined Atletico Madrid. Okay, that was never going to suit his style. It's where attackers go to die. Um, but he he's obviously been poor 
he was even potentially linked with Aston Villa, which was ridiculous. Where if we're going to spend 127 million euros, which is what I've seen quoted, which on on a player like Enzo Fernandez, who has a season and a bit of Liga Nos uh, experience under his belt, and will be coming into the most competitive league in 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 the world, and add on top of that Chelsea's track record of of signings over 50 million pounds, it just seems a recipe for disaster. Um, also, if he's worth 105 million pounds or whatever, how much is Declan Rice worth? A 23-year-old um, who's basically not missed a minute for West Ham for four years, captain of his club, does everything. Like uh, you saw for England, he was a destroyer, a number six, and then playing for West Ham, he's a ball progressor. He's a he's a danger at front shooting from in or outside the box. So um, yeah, I guess they're the two. The two names that have been most prominently linked to us. Um, Enzo Fernandez is not a lights out number six, nor is Declan Rice, but I have much more faith in Declan being able to to introduce the defensive output we've been sorely lacking from having Jorginho as a sole six than I would for Enzo. That might just be because I've seen more of Declan, but um, there's not, not no doubt at all that um, Enzo Fernandez is an, a prodigious talent, as we've seen at the World Cup. Uh, and it does make sense that Todd Burley would try and beat competition from clubs with bigger reputations like Liverpool and United by moving to activate a release clause in January like he did with Unkunku. So it's worrying how accurate that seems. Not worrying, I mean, yeah, some people might want this move. People might to say, I mean, I didn't used to rate Declan Rice, so um, clearly I don't know much ball. But yeah, if it was a shootout between the two and they're at the same price, there's only one winner for me, and I'm sure you're the same. I'm the same. And to be honest, um, I mean, people will say you can get both. And yes, I actually think we can get both. Um, but the thing is, like you said, when, you, when you're looking at 105 million for Enzo Fernandez, who is realistically, people only knew him, well, now know him due to the World Cup. They didn't really know him about before. Maybe a few did, obviously. Um, but when you, when you see that Declan Rice could be picked up for around 70 million this summer, um, because he has, well, he has one year left on his contract, but the option to extend will be activated by the club, which will make it two. Um, when you see what he's done in the Premier League now for three, four years, he's been pretty much one of the best midfielders. He's prem proven. He's a Chelsea boy at heart. And most importantly, he's got the profile we've been missing for about five, six years now. It's It's a no-brainer. And... Enzo, sure, brilliant player, but again, he's another one of these eights, and we have multiple eights, so don't get me wrong, I think Enzo would start over pretty much all our eights with Mason Mount, um, and I think Rice, Enzo, Mount midfield is astonishing, but the six is a profile which we need so, so much more than the number eight, so I think, yeah, there's a, yeah, you know, Todd's sensing this opportunity to get Enzo done in the next few days, to be honest, um, but Rice really is that much more important. Um, also, if you're looking for an eight and it's 125, 127 million euros, how much is Jude Bellingham? Because I know which one I'd rather have there as well. Exactly. This is Jude gives that extra defensive profile Enzo won't have as well. Jude is English, and sure, people may think that's not, you know, that shouldn't matter too much, which, yeah, it doesn't. But, you know, if you listen to the way, um, 
Lampard and Terry have all spoken. They they said they don't like to go back to the past too much, but one of the main reasons for their success in their eyes is that they had an English core. And yes, there are a lot of English players on our team and that isn't an issue and the common is coming through, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, again, Jude has shown at the age of 16 he can do it in the physical championship. I've got, and we all, I mean, I've got no doubt he can do it in the Prem. Yeah, probably Jude is much more likely to go to City or Liverpool, but I don't know. If you're willing to spend that much money on Enzo, do you think about doing it to Jude Bellingham? I don't know. I think getting one of the two players on rise is a massive, massive success either way. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be one to keep an eye on in the next 24, 48 hours. Um, but another another player who you you texted me about, and to be honest, I had no idea what Todd Bowley is cooking with this signing because it sort of doesn't make sense. Um, but it's... It looks to be wrapped up very, very soon, and that's the 30, 35 million signing of I don't know how to say his name, Badiashile. Oh, <laughs> I'll go with that. The 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 French centre back, at left centre back, um, from Monaco, I want to say. And the the main thing is he's a he's a left centre back. I I just honestly I don't get it when you have Levi Colwell, who I think is the best left centre back under 20 defender arguably in Europe um, so yeah thoughts on Badia and what on earth Bowley could be thinking by signing him it's just so confusing isn't it because in his first window his statement window where he splashed the cash one of the main things he did was put a massive show of faith in Levi Colwell and his potential by refusing to have that um, fee inserted into his loan move and there was rumours that the price of Cucurella was inflated due to that just to keep the Brighton board sweet um, which is another massive route well anyway Cucurella is not £60 million left back it, that's plain as day so there must be a reason why it costs that much um, so it's very confusing because if you're Levi you're thinking well it's one thing for them to go and buy um, Champions League proven um, Serie A top defender in Koulibaly um, who might have a year or two at the top level left before I overtake him and I'm young I can I can still get minutes it's a completely different thing getting someone his age from France um, with nowhere near the same experience as Koulibaly um, who's going to com- be competing for what the next decade I mean I read the athletic write-up on him and I don't want to make it sound like I'm being negative on him or Enzo who's I'm sure both fantastic players um, and he's six foot four and he's a good progressive for boys good with diagonals he's a threat from set pieces all of that but for me why spend 35 million euros uh, replacing an, a superior left-sided centre-back who's the same age um, and has a connection with the fans and the club um, and has done for, for a long time um, I'm sure you're the same. I just can't get my head around it. Like you said, it, it just doesn't make any sense because Bowley fought like nothing to keep Levi at the club this summer. And he, God, he did it and he did so much work for it. So to throw it away just like that is just doesn't make any sense. And for people, I, I just can't see how they would fit in the same team either. Because if you're doing a four at the back, you're not having two left-sided centre-backs. Um 
as your two main centre-backs, sorry, two left-footed centre-backs on the pitch. That's just not going to happen. And yeah, you could play Levi central centre-back and Badishi like left centre-back, but I think Levi just excels in that left centre-back role so much um, because it allows him to go forward and he does a lot of good work there, which goes unnoticed. He can play those passes through the lines. Um, so I'm I'm very interested to see how it's how it's going to work out and I wonder if Brighton are now really going to start playing Levi over the next few months to convince him that you know your club is trying to sign a left-sided back maybe not to replace you but in, they'll convince him in that way and you can sign for us and you'll start like you have been for the last six months because he's to start a lone player at 19 years old or whatever in the Prem he's now started I think four in a row for Brighton that is that's impressive and we all know Brighton don't really play their lone players um so so I mean yeah I mean we don't need to really if you've listened to this pod you're probably an academy fan in some senses and you know enough about Levi that he's absolutely outstanding um so it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see to see to see what the club have in plan and whether Levi how where you know how the communication has been with Levi, because these rumours certainly will he he will obviously know about these rumours, and it would obviously have sparked a few things and discussions and things because in the same way Hakim when the Hakimi interest came up Tino Levermento was like what well that's my right wing back spot Kong let me go, um so I'm hoping it's not a Hakimi Levermento 2.0 situation and there is a bit of better communication and convincing going on. Um, so yeah, that's just one we're gonna have to keep an eye on the next few months. My dream is that this is all just agent talk. Levi gets played in the next few months because um, Brighton think they have a chance, and then the deal collapses with Badiashile, and Levi comes back and takes that left centre back role like nothing. But that's the dream, and we're just gonna have to keep on praying for that. Um, but yeah, last specific player I did want to talk about. You mentioned him earlier, and that's Zhao Felix. Um, you mentioned you didn't really want to see him, but didn't go too much into it. Why not? Yeah, so it just feels like another Kai Havertz, another player with all the technical gifts in the world that doesn't seem physically suited to the Premier League and doesn't have a nailed-on position. <clears throat> I've seen great things from him at Benfica a few years back when he was taking uh, the Europa League by storm. I remember he still had acne and that went big on, on the news he's done <laughs> his exams and stuff like that. We've all been there. He was, what, 18? <clears throat> he went for a silly fee um, and fair enough. I mean, you've got to secure the bag for, for your family further down the line. Um, Atletico Madrid was definitely not a sensible choice. Um, <clears throat> since he's got there, um, he's clearly not impressed. I mean, it's getting to the point now where their record signing can't even start for them. And they're literally putting out feelers in the press, not even uh, disguised. The president went on air and said it might be time to move him on. Aston Villa were linked, etc. Um, yes, it'd be exciting, I'm sure. He'd probably do all right. I don't see a place for him, but I'm sure he'd do that's some kind of a job, but we're talking 100 million here. They're not going to make one and make a devastating loss. Um, and I just, I can't see him, I can't see him fitting in. And then you add in that we've got Nkunku coming in the summer. Um, presumably we're going to go in for a nine unless Broyard recovers really well or, or Bamiang really 
massively turned around because he was poor again in his minutes last night. So, yeah, there's too much going on. There's too many other priorities. Um, and talented though he may be, I just don't see him uh, working in the Premier League, especially at Chelsea. Yeah, I think the big thing um, about the sort of premature Felix rumours was that it is only a loan deal from January and it would be with an option option or obligation to buy, depending on discussions. But I just think he's just another player who would sort of just fill up the squad and he's just like another Christian Pulisic in that sense. Like, Pulisic does well off the bench. He's a decent squad player to have around. And I think Felix would just turn out to be that. And I'd rather just stick with what we have. I'd rather play Amari Hutchinson. I'd rather try and develop Havertz in the nine. I'd rather try and play Pulisic and Sterling and Ziyech, etc. So it's sort of an unnecessary deal. And I don't think Felix is someone who would play in our midfield either. So, yeah, I think, to be fair, there weren't, obviously, the Telegraph, great outlet in that. But it wasn't really Matt Law in that sense. So hopefully that's just some early January rumours. The last sort of transfer sort of related question I did want to ask was about right back and we did cover it a little bit earlier on um, more sticking with Aspi etc would you go searching for a right back in the January transfer market you know it's getting to the point where it's a bit one of uh, mirroring the situation Spurs have had with Kane for years before Ricarlison came in and after Fernando Llorente left when you have a non-suitable deputy in a position and your star is out injured, Kane is their best player. Reese James, it's obvious to all, is our best player. However much I love Mason Mount. Reese James is our most influential player. Therefore, when he's out and the drop-off is so large, we rush to get him back. Every time we rush to get him back. I know he's had time to recover, but this is an ongoing thing. It's happened multiple times now, especially last season. Without him, we're a different team, so we want him back quicker. If we can reduce the deficit in quality from Reese to his deputy, perhaps we're not so worried about rushing him back. He's, his knees have more time to recover. We're not seeing him on a touchline injured as often. That could be crucial. And I, as he's been a phenomenal servant, this is his 10th year at the club. He's in line for a testimonial. 11th year, sorry. In line for a testimonial. He's just not... He's not that he's not it he's not that guy at right back um he's lost his legs he he's increasingly erratic he's always complaining with the ref small things like that as well um we need a right back and unfortunately none of the youth players yet fit that role as we said with uh ranking earlier but hopefully we can address that uh in the transfer market buy someone young who's happy to take minutes uh, from the bench uh, and doesn't un- unsettle the apple cart. Um, I don't know what you think on this. Yeah, <sighs> it's really difficult because my sort of Cobham mind is saying just call back to John Sterling from his loan and use him, um, which I do think would be an absolutely feasible option, but I just can't see it happening at all. Um, then my other Cobham says wait till someone buy Tino Livramento. But can we really do another six months of reason and out and then having to play Aspie? Um So maybe we take the hit, as you say, as sort of buy a right back who is a bit more dynamic than Asby, who's going to reduce the deficit, as you said. Um, 
because I think you, you summed that up really perfectly in the fact that a lot of the time with Reese it is just we're rushing him back because he is so so good and we need him that much whereas if you don't need him as much due to having a decent enough backup then it, it really would just sort a lot of lot of problems out so yeah I, I probably would go for right back I don't know who because I don't really keep an eye on right backs when watching games but I'm sure the club know what they're doing in that sense and it doesn't have to be anyone special and nor do you want it to be anyone special because then say when Reese comes back you then have an unhappy a very unhappy sort of right-sided player on the bench and then they cause squad problems and that's the least thing this this club leads right now um so yeah that's transfer stuff I've got a little a little third thing which you're not too aware of is a little 2022 wrapped quiz for you and um nice nice it's our podcast sort of spotify so I've got us podcast Spotify wrapped and I'm going to ask you just a few random questions. Um, and I thought it'd be just a nice, cool, nice way to see how we've done in 2022. We'll do a little 2023 prediction as well, just in general stuff. And then we'll go on to Forest. Um, so how many minutes do you oh, think God. we uploaded this year on the Chelsea spot? Oh, wow. That's a big question. This is right. difficult. Average different. podcast length must be about forty minutes. Yeah, There's a bit I'd of a gap. Maybe, maybe we did what fifteen to twenty pods this year. Okay. All right. So let's say, let's say seven hundred minutes. It's a decent guess, you know. I, I really like the maths. It was one thousand and thirty-nine oh, minutes. A bit um, more than I thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we uploaded more than I thought as well. That's seventy three percent more than any other podcast in the sports category on Spotify. So that's good, isn't it? Solid, solid work from Chelsea Spot, despite us not you know, I thought you know, well definitely definitely compared to last year we haven't done as much and I've explained that all in previous episodes, go listen to that, but um still doing all right. Our number one podcast episode listeners wise, now you weren't in this podcast but it is like a Chelsea moment related, so you can probably relate to that. What was our number one podcast? Uh, reaction to Tuchel sacking and Potter in. He knows it. It is yeah, exactly exactly that. Um, it's a really good listen. It's it's a Twitter space with me, Peter, um, who was on our last episode, Sam CFC Central, who's sort of blown up on Twitter recently, and Rob, our admin. Um, that was a that was a really nice episode and. We sort of, whilst everyone's going a bit crazy, we managed to calm down a few people. Um, how many different, what is the number of countries who have listened to our podcast? Wow. This year. This is this is interesting. That's a, a tricky one. Um, and there's no maths for this one. <laughs> there's no maths. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There'll be a few, there'll be a good few in Europe, I'd imagine. America, Canada. We've got a a lot of boys we know from from India that listen in. I'm gonna go complete stab in the dark, and it's quite ambitious. I think if, I'd be impressed if it, if it was this, but 22. It's almost double it. Double three. Wow. I know. 43 is impressive. Um, it's like a fifth of the world's countries. Yeah, which is. Yeah, I, I don't know how we've got 43, but thank you to all those 43 countries listening. And related to that, can you guess our top five countries, listeners-wise? Oh, wow. Um, in England. Order. 
England's okay. number one. Yeah. Uh, so a home nation's counted, or is England like UK? As UK is number one. UK is number okay, one. Okay, UK is number one. Uh, ooh, I'm going to go left field and go India at number two. India is number four. Ah, okay. nice. Well, Still America number That's two. Right. America number two. Nice. So it's number three number, number five. Three, number five. Ooh. I don't think you're getting either of these, if I'm being honest. Neither of them. No. So are they a bit niche? Definitely not what I would have expected. Oh, trying to think of... Who who loves Chelsea when they go on tour and stuff? Um, somewhere like I don't know Singapore. Singapore's not in it. I'll get one more guess for either one, and I'll one tell you. One more guess, right? I mean, we've let's go numbers. No, actually, they, I don't know how much English the Chinese population. No, yeah. let's go China. China's not in it either. It is <sighs> number three's Canada. Canada. And number okay. five is Ireland. That makes sense. I was putting that as a... Yeah. yeah. Um, which is why when you said UK, England, I was thinking. But yeah, uh, number five, yeah, Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, I don't know, fascinating stuff. Um, so that's 2022. Thank you all for listening to that. And if you're part of those stats, thank you very much. Um, 2023, I won't ask you for predictions on Spotify wrapped, but any any Chelsea-related predictions? Chelsea related predictions. Any stories, um, any big stories, any trophies? Okay, right. Immense second half of the season under Potter to secure top four and everyone's happy. Nice. A really nice Champions League run to uh, the semi-finals where we play Man City and we have a horrendous refereeing display reminiscent of 2009 and Pep Guardiola leads his side through and they finally win their first Champions League. That's my prediction. Lovely stuff. I really like that. I'm going to go. Yeah, I think Chelsea get top four. I think Chelsea are reaching the final of the Champions League and losing, which is gutting. Um and the big the big summer headline will be Declan Rice returns to his boyhood club. Yeah, I hope that's right. Um, so, fingers crossed. But yeah, that's sort of a little complete sidecast. Let's move back to Forest. That's on the 1st of Jan. You are going to the game, aren't you? Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, very excited. I go uni in Nottingham. So, I've, I know a lot of Forest fans have uh, not actually watched a senior game there before. I've been to the last year's under 23 semi-final yeah. we lost in the last minute but um hopefully leaving half here this time uh forest obviously got battered by united last night um so we'll see what we can do exactly that it's going to be it's going to be hopefully really just i'll just get i'll just take your lineup sort of what you would do for that game um and okay yeah we'll wrap it up so um kepper and goal i thought it, I've, I really enjoy watching him now. His haircut yeah. looks good as well. I'd like to uh-huh. have that. Uh-huh. I could totally agree. And Marriage has done him wonders as well. He's clearly more confident. Uh, he was excellent again. Like, he didn't have to save anything, but he's so confident with his feet. Um, left back, Lewis Hall. Uh, Cucurella was better. You know, Cucurella was better, but I think Lewis Hall can play well in the back four. I know you'd probably prefer him at left wing back or maybe even in midfield. But anyway, left left back, I think he can do really well. Um, centre-backs Thiago Silva 
just the best centre back on earth. He's just amazing, isn't he? And the number of times he made up for Koulibaly last night. I mean, he, he played that one silly ball across the box, but we'll forget about that. He bailed Koulibaly out a lot last night. Uh, that leads into my other centre back. Shock! It's not Koulibaly. Uh, I hope he comes he comes good. He seems a lovely bloke, um, but it's not him. It's going to be Trevor Chalobah. He's too good for the bench. Uh, and right back is risky. I'm just going to go ask Pilaqueta. But I did say earlier he could play Trevor, but I've gone back myself. Yeah. Um, midfield three. I don't think Kovacic will be ready. We'll see. No, I don't think so. Um, I thought Jorginho was good. Neither of us have been the biggest fans of his, but this season he's been quietly all right. I mean, apparently Newcastle are interested. That was just a complete <laughs> hoax, but that was quite exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, he's on his uh, farewell tour, so I won't begrudge him. He, he starts at six for me um, with Mace and Connor either side. I want to see Connor score. He could have scored last night. It was gutted. It was a, mm. I, thought, uh, I thought Havertz would give it Sterling, but he gave it to Connor. First couple of touches were nice. The finish wasn't quite there. Um, obviously, I'd love to see Carney, but anyway, Connor s- sneaks in. Um, and then I'd play a front three of Sterling on the right. We didn't mention him earlier. He was excellent. He got man of the match from Prime, but I thought it should have been Mason, but he was, he was brilliant. Um, I'd play... Uh, you got to keep Havertz. He's a confidence man, and it might it might break him down a little if he got dropped after scoring and assisting. So I'll keep him <laughs> up there. Uh, I'm not playing Obami on on the wing. I mean, if that's what he was last night, God, it <laughs> it was bleak. Um, yeah. I'll go Amari Hutchinson. He he usually plays from the. He, I can you can play either wing, but would you play him on the right or the left? I mean, I would play him on the right. However, I have to say, in that Villa friendly, he took a corner with his right foot. Yeah, and I was, was like, was that what? I'd, like, as much as I've been to all the academy, not all, most of the academy games this season, I did not realise he was that two-footed. So, yeah, mm. he probably can't play on the left, but yeah, I would play him on the right. But I guess Sterling could happily do a job on the left as well. He could. I mean, he was electric on the right last night, so maybe they could change around. But I like that as a front three, and I think he really deserves a start. I think. I'm sure you agree. What would your lineup be? Yeah, I think I was a bit annoyed. Not annoyed. I was annoyed we didn't get that third goal. Um, so mm. we couldn't really see, you know, Lewis Hall or Mari Hutchinson come on from the bench. And Mari just feel like he should be getting minutes for absolutely ages. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd go Keperin goal. I would probably... I would... Ooh, to be fair, back five is tempting just because you don't really then have to play Aspi. Because um, mm. then you could go back three of Cucurella, Silva, and Trev, and then your wing backs can be Lewis Hall and Dion Rankin. Um, and then you can play Zakaria and Jorginho in midfield, and the front three of Havertz, Mount, and Sterling. Um, but then I do also really want to see us play four at the back, so I think I would prefer to go with that, and we'll just. I'd like to see. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Hall at Forest actually at left back because I think Forest play their games really open and he would really, really like that space he'd have in front of him. Um, but I'm guessing it'll be Cucurella. I would go, I would go Trev Silva Asby like you did, um, just because Koulibaly did look a bit shaky. And I think Asby can do an odd good game, and I'd prefer if you played this game than if you played against City. Um, and I'd, I'd probably do the same. I'd probably do the same 
midfield and attack as last time as you know obviously Amari I'd love to see him play I don't see that happening so Sterling Havertz Pulisic and I think Zakaria and Jorginho Mount all played well um so I'd probably just do a really really similar lineup and see if we can sort of build on the Bournemouth momentum wouldn't really mind if someone like Connor came in if Hutchinson came in if Lewis Hall came in and yeah maybe I think Chalaba is really the big one I'd like to see other than that um Really happy with Bournemouth. Um, sort of, yeah, building on from Bournemouth. But yeah, um, that wraps up the pod nicely. Little score prediction from you? Oh, God. Well, I'm going. Uh, so I really don't want to be driving back after the train strikes, um, having lost. Uh, I'll go... I'll go... I'll go 2-0 Chelsea. 2-0 Chelsea away from home. 2-0 Chelsea. I think that would do a lot of good for the lads. I'll go with... I'll go with 3-1 Chelsea. Um, goals seem to be... We could have scored about four or five yesterday against yeah, Bournemouth. Easily. So hopefully we do get a few more against Forest. And there's not squeaky bum time in the last few minutes against Nottingham. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, Danny, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love coming on. So yeah, good to do this again. Wonderful stuff. Um, that's the last episode of 2022. As I said, 2023, we have some really exciting stuff coming up. Um, we have an interview being monitored, an interview set to be recorded, that date's been perfected, and an interview at the end of the season, which has been put in place as well. So hopefully all three come ahead. There's going to be lots more guests coming on, and there's a chance for you guys to come on with the Twitter spaces. Um, but we've had a really enjoyable year, even though we haven't put out too much. Um, and we're hoping to really push on in 2023. We've relaunched our Instagram, so do go and follow us there. We've redesigned our website, and it, we think it looks much cleaner and nicer, so do go check it out. Um, we're running our Twitter as normal, um, and carry on listening on Spotify and iTunes. Give us a rating there, share us around. But other than that, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. <laughs>